Hi friends, Zach Walker here, welcoming you back to episode three of Intentionally Inclusive, a podcast for all of us to learn about and celebrate the things that make us unique and in the process to uncover the things that bring us together. We have a great episode planned for today with a couple of exciting guests, but before we get to that, if you didn't know, and you might not, August is National Civility Month or National Win With Civility Month in the United States, and May was International Civility Awareness Month. Civility celebrations have been celebrated in various forms in the United States and around the world since about 2008, when the first scheduled civility celebration began at Johns Hopkins University in 2008. And it's a topic that's very close to home here for Intentionally Inclusive. Civility really forms the basis for all of our interactions, both at Paychex and in our personal lives. And it's something we'd like to dig into a little bit more today with our guests. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our first guest, Chelsea Willis. Chelsea is an HR generalist here at Paychex. Chelsea, thanks for being here today. Thank you very much for inviting me and having me. Uh, so this is the first time you and I have met. So I know I'm interested to hear, and I'm sure our guests are as well. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career at Paychex? Well, I am an HR professional. Our titles were changed recently. So oh, I'm okay. now an I HR professional. Um, I come from Paychex with a background in IT project management, operations, and administration. So I um, started my career um, as an um, administrative assistant. So from there, I went to an HR um, project manager, and now I'm in HR as an HR professional here at Paychex. That's great. How long have you been with the company? Um, since April 2020, I started oh, during okay. the pandemic. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That had to be quite an adjustment. Yes and no, because I was um, shipped all of my equipment and was told to just stay home and use it. Okay. And so far over the last year and some, what's been your favorite part about working for Paychex? I can actually say it's caused me to learn how to communicate in different ways. I'm a people person. So with me being a people person, I had to learn to utilize my skills and my personality through, I guess, the internet, for lack of better terms, but just being able to reach out to people um, via Teams, being wet in WebEx, and also an email, but still being able to showcase my personality. That's great. Thank you. And what are your preferred pronouns? I prefer she, her. Okay. I am great. a cisgendered female. I uh, identify as the gender that I was signed at birth. All right, so thanks so much, Chelsea. Uh, our next guest is Anthony Griswold, and Anthony is an organizational development consultant, unless you've also had a recent title change, Anthony. Uh, no, I have not, Zach, no. <laughs> Good, all right. So you and I have actually worked a bit together before, but why don't you tell the audience a bit about yourself as well? Yeah, sure. So um, Anthony Griswold, I've been with Paychex for uh, just going on four years this September. Um, I had the unique pleasure and opportunity to support uh, the sales organization, my first year at Paychex in a leadership development consulting role. And then I was asked to stretch a bit and create a new role focused and dedicated to uh, the development and growth of frontline leaders, those in, uh, and actually the word frontline we're trying not to use, but of man those in managers and supervisor roles. And then for the last about a year and a half, I've been serving in a development consulting capacity uh, for the service organization. So including Chelsea, your org and HR services and the other service organizations are reported into Ted Jordan and Chris DeSalvo. So. Oh, great. I've supported Ted and Chris before. They're, they're great organizations. 
And uh, Anthony, what are your preferred pronouns? Uh, so my preferred pronouns are he and him. Great. Thank you for sharing. And sure. so you you are always Anthony, right? You don't ever go by a nickname or at, at Paychex at least? Uh, yeah, at Paychex I go by Anthony, but okay. uh, I probably wouldn't want to get into nicknames in the context of this podcast. <laughs> at least not for National Civility Month, right? That, that uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, as um, kind of a, some information for our audience, one of the reasons that we've started to ask for preferred pronouns and ask for things like names, you know, what's the name you prefer? Do you prefer a nickname? That ties really closely into civility. And I've had some really nice conversations with people at Paychex based on those questions. You know, what do you go by? What do you prefer people to call you? Um, and we'll talk in a little bit. That's sort of one of the principles of what civility is, uh, which is a good segue for us. So I thought we could start out the conversation today with the basics. What is civility? So I have a definition from the National Civility Foundation, which suggests that civility is just basically the awareness of the importance of respect and socialization, the promotion of the intentional practice of kindness, and thoughtful personal interactions with others in our daily lives, or as put another way, not just the golden rule, which is treat others how you would like to be treated, but what they call the platinum rule, which is treat others as they would like you to treat them which I thought was a, a really neat thing. I'd heard a lot about the golden rule, but uh, never about the platinum rule. So uh, for each of the two of you, what does civility mean to you? Chelsea, how about we start with you? Um, it For me, it means being gracious and kind and showing gratitude to other people. Um, I really like the platinum rule because it takes me out of the equation as somebody that's actually getting something from um, the treatment of others. And it just allows me to pour into others and ensure the way that I'm treating them is not how I want to be treated, it's how they're asking me and they require me to treat them. So I um, I like the platinum rule because it pulls me out of it. So um, basically for me, you know, civility is just treating someone how they would like to be treated and based off generosity and graciousness and kindness. Yeah, I really like that. Had you heard the platinum rule before or was it new for you for the podcast today? Having it mentioned at the platinum rule was mm -hmm. new, but I've heard it before. Yeah. But I like it because... Um, who doesn't like platinum over gold? <laughs> That's right. Platinum is the difference between Beyonce and everybody who isn't Beyonce. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Anthony, how about you? What does civility mean to you? Yeah, so very much in line with Chelsea's uh, thoughts, Zach, that, you know, it it just comes down to that. It's it's not really about, you know, I love the platinum rule, which is very new to me, Um you know, and uh, there's a good book called Civility Rules that highly recommended for us all to help get better educated and read. And again, it really is about, Chelsea, what you had shared is it's not so much about treating others the way that I want to be treated, but treating others as they want to be treated. And I learned this at a very young age. I, I had um, the pleasure, uh, to, I lived in five different countries uh, for oh, wow. almost six, 16 years. And I was um, in most of those countries, uh, let's call it a, an extreme minority, you know, if I had to use words. So I learned, I learned very quickly that, you know, it was really about kind of figure out the dance of the culture, the language, but also about, you know, so how did the people I was with, what did respect mean for them? 
Uh, what did small talk or conversations look like? What what did people feel comfortable sharing and not sharing? And so it's really become kind of a lifelong study for me when I'm working with people on trying to dial into how do they like to be treated? You know, and the last thought on that is I really believe that civility is something that is systematic. And I think that we all need to do a better job of getting educated on what it is, really the definite, because when you hear the word civility, I think it's kind of easy to say, oh, yeah, I get that. You know, it's like with our values at times, oh, I know what that is, but then to actually do something about it is very different. So it requires, I'm finding, I guess, as, um, you know, as a white male and some of the work that I'm doing at DEI, at Paychex, and then personally, I just continue to witness things that inspire me to want to become better educated so that I can be a better ally, you know, to people that are different, um, different people from all walks of life, you know, in this ongoing journey of life. So, so I believe there are a lot of systematic things I think that we can do as we uh, continue to move forward. And I think we're already doing a lot of great things at Paychex and uh, it's just been great to be part of helping to make an impact so that we can drive a more civil organization. Just to conclude my thoughts, I was at someone's house uh, the other day and I walked up to the door and they had a placemat that said, come as you are. And I really like that opposed to welcome. So it's kind of like right away, you felt like walking into the person's home. You know, I could just be myself, right? I could just be able to go into the home and be that way. So, so those are, those are a couple of thoughts, Zach. And you know, that I, would, I love uh, that. what, it, what civility, you know, means for me um, that I can share. Yeah, that's great. When I was a kid, my grandparents, my father's parents had a doormat that said, go away. And so that's maybe, maybe a little different from, from your experience there. But I had a great uncle who was, um, as he got older, he lost his sight and he always thought it said, go Navy. So he would come into the door and he would salute and it was, it just became kind of a family thing. Uh, but there, so there are a couple things that, that you said, Anthony, that I, I want to follow up on a little bit and involve Chelsea too. But first question where else did you live? Where did you where did you grow up? Well, so I actually grew up in uh, Rochester, New York. Okay. Uh, spent brief time after university in New York City, uh, then in Boulder, Colorado, trying to become a competitive bicycle rider, and that led me to I lived in northern Japan in a town of five thousand people. Uh, I was the only Westerner that lived in the town. That was for a period of three years. Then I moved on to Tokyo, which I lived for a few years. Then um, I lived in Guangzhou, China, uh, doing some interesting things while I was there. Then I ended up in Hong Kong, and then eventually I moved to South America uh, to a place called Lima, uh, Peru, or Peru. Peru. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the last place I lived, and then I relocated back uh, to Rochester, which is, you know, as you know, this is where I'm kind of holed up now. So those, yeah, yeah those those were the different countries that I lived in and fortunately was able to travel, you know, quite a bit and um, spend a lot of time with local cultures and doing a lot of that kind of work. So that was, it was uh, definitely made an impact on me for sure. Yeah. What a great experience. I lived, uh, I grew up for a time in Arkansas when I was a kid. And although that felt like a different country, probably not quite as different as Japan or China or, or Peru. And to a, any listeners we might have in Arkansas, I love it. It's a beautiful state, um, but it certainly is different from New York state where, where I've lived. So one thing that that sort of um, brings to mind for me is the cultural context of civility. 
And we talked about with the platinum rule, treat others as they would want to be treated. And there's a definite connotation to that of uh, the rules of civility being different in different societies, um, or sometimes even in the same society amongst different cultures or different communities or different people. I wonder if either of you have any thoughts or experiences with how civility can differ from place to place. I experienced it traveling abroad and making purchases in markets. I'm the type of person, if you tell me it costs $5, I'm paying you $5. Mm. I am not a haggler. I am, that's what you want. That's what you, you assign whatever it is, a value. And I'm going to respect that value. I feel I'm respecting you and the value. But the idea that is expected to haggle and to negotiate, and, the, and if I don't do it, I'm being disrespectful, hmm. was new for me. And it really took me to get adjusted to it. And I got to the point where I was not comfortable and as I was traveling, I was with my niece and anything that I wanted to buy outside of a store, I would say, hey, Nisi, buy this for me. And I would give her the money because she had no problem with haggling. <laughs> and I was like, I, I thought it was so, dis- I think it's so disrespectful. But depending on what culture you're in and wherever, wherever you are in the world, it's assumed and it's expected. And if you don't do it, you're being disrespectful. Mm. That's a great example. Yeah, Chelsea, I love that. And I, I love to be a haggler. So my, my time abroad was I got to, uh, you should see me at a garage sale. Let me just put it that way. I, I love to, uh, I love to sell and I love to buy, you know, for when I am at a garage sale. Um, you know, when I, Zach, to your, to your question to build on that, I think, you know, what comes to mind is maybe it's most applicable to paychecks is from a business context. There are a lot of different nuances depending on the culture, whereas in a country like Japan, I I joke with people that I spent more time in like karaoke bars or dinners after work uh, to really gather people's thoughts and ideas because my job role was, uh, I was a marketing consultant, so trying to work on innovation and also some system work that it it was hard to kind of draw that out in the context of a meeting, whereas in China, Arguing is kind of sometimes, well, it's not sometimes, you know, you, I would find often in meetings that there would be little arguments happening with many, everybody yelling at each other, but then there would be resolution at the end of the, and, and really, so over, over time, it's like, you know, I just observe how different cultures appear to be. And again, this is just my observation, so it could be right or wrong, just how people interact together. And Chelsea, like you mentioned, so you know, what happens in a market, right? So like, you know, as you think about here, like I sometimes think about that. I'll see people in line like at uh, our local Wegmans or shopping and knowing that they come from a culture that is very open market where Mm. things are negotiated and bartered with them standing in line and going through that experience of really no dialogue at all. It's like, you know, how are you? Do you have any bags? Okay. See you later. And you know, there's um, there, there's just a lot of opportunity to, again, this is really what I think uh, the exciting opportunity of civility offers us is to just go deeper within ourselves to, I think it's about slowing down, right? Slowing down a little bit and observing if you're in a meeting and you see somebody who's not really participating, uh, it goes way beyond color, right? You know, the, the, the spectrum of diversity is really broad. And I think there are a lot of unique things that come out and play in work settings, right? That we all go through in group settings on 
really just kind of, you know, it ties back to values and, you know, being curious, trying to listen and draw things out or look for another opportunity to engage, uh, to engage people. So it's definitely an art and a science for sure. So, yeah, absolutely. And I would say it takes practice, you know, it takes, yes. takes in, intentional practice, reaching out to people you have in your life who might live in a different way or might come from a different culture or might engage in different ways as well. Um, on this podcast, we've talked a little bit about the LGBT experience through pride. We've talked about the experience of black Americans as part of our Juneteenth conversation. And last month we talked about Americans with disabilities. And so we have a lot of people that engage with the world in, in very different ways. Chelsea, I wonder if you would be comfortable sharing any experiences or thoughts you have on navigating civility or experiences of other people navigating civility as a Black person in the U.S.? I think for me, my I'm a little different. I can honestly say, I'm, and I let you all know that I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, so I'm a lot different because being in Atlanta, depending on where you are living and where you're socializing with, you can either not see white people or not see anyone that is non mm. that is non-black, or you could put yourself in a situation where everyone around you is different. Sure. And I think because of my professions, um, starting out being an administrative assistant, moving up, up to being an executive assistant, I put myself in a situation where um, my personal life, my family, of course, was African-American. Um, so my home life was always diff was different than my work life and my social life. I socialized outside of work very often because uh, because of my job. Um, so socially, I would socialize with people from different races and different backgrounds. But at home, you know, it was um, socializing with my family, which is, you know, all African-Americans. And so I had a very understanding of what it meant to be Black in America, what it meant to be Black in Atlanta, but it wasn't as um, in my face as a negative um, experience sure. than it has been within the last few years. However, with being that, what was most alarming for me was working in IT project management, um, being a project manager as a Black woman, and generally I was in meetings with other men. And um, it, as I started working on different projects, I would have um, usually a BA that could be a woman and she could be a, from another um, another culture. Or I could have BA, a, like business analyst. Yeah, a business analyst. Yep. Sorry, a business no, analyst <laughs> that could be from another culture. I could have one of my system engineers that could be a woman, which was very rare from another culture. And um, noting working with them and not and seeing them not wanting to speak up or them providing me all of their notes and like these are the things that are wrong before we get to a meeting so i'm like so you're not going to share that with the team they're like no you're the project manager you share it and i'm like no i don't know what this means you share it so um noting that you know based off of their culture and their background that they weren't comfortable speaking up in meetings and um me being very comfortable um speaking up in meetings up until um, I got to a point where um, being from the South and being African-American, um, I had one of my managers mention to me that my grammar was, a, was questionable. 
And I instantly thought, oh my God, what did I write? Like, what did I do? Like, what happened? Like, I'm thinking about what email did I send out and something was incorrect. But he mentioned um, the way I spoke. He said, I say ask instead of ask. And I was like, I don't hear the difference, but Mm -hmm. please explain that to me a little bit more. But he couldn't explain it to me anymore. And I had to educate him that I was like, well, while you may see as a white male that I am in Atlanta, I'm educated. At the time I was working on my master's degree, I recently finished. I said, so you may see me as educated. But I was like, I am an African-American woman that learned English from descendants of slaves who didn't, Uh who English was not their first language. So the way you speak is not necessarily the way I speak, because I do speak (laughs) African-American English, because there are some ways that we speak. It comes back from um, our history and my time of my ancestors being in Africa. So there are some things that we, the way that I speak, it's going to be a lot different. And I live in Atlanta. The dialects in Atlanta are a lot different. You can Uh go from community from community, especially um, Black community, you can hear something totally different. Or you can listen to someone that grew up in Atlanta that's white, and you can hear Southern twang, and you're thinking like, why do you speak that way? We live in Atlanta, but it's based off of how they learn English and who they learn English from. So getting that feedback was, well, it happened in 2019. It was shocking to me because no one has ever Uh told me that they had an issue with the way I spoke. I got my BA in communication for a very Mm -hmm. long time. I studied speech and I studied linguistics and grammar. That's how I understood how Mm -hmm. I, how I speak and why I speak in this manner. So when, um, to hear him say that, and, um, it was in part of my feedback for my professional feedback, I was taken aback and I had to educate him and I ended up, you know, just letting him know, you know, people from America or people that are living here, they have history, they have backgrounds, they have other influences other than what you consider to be white or or right. Uh-huh. It doesn't make it right or wrong. I'm not saying that just because you speak a certain way that is right or wrong. You know, I'm going to respect the way that you speak. And if it's something that I don't understand, I'm going to ask you to explain or um, to repeat it, but I'm not going to put you in a situation where I am saying that you're not being professional just because I'm accepting or I'm guessing or appearing that, you know, you are an American, so you should speak a certain way. No, your English comes from your, the way you speak comes necessarily from your family. It comes Uh from your friends. It comes from the people that you're around and you can, you know, your diction will be very different based on where you're from, especially, and even in the United States, you know, someone from New York speaks very different from someone from Connecticut, from someone from Boston. So, you know, respect, respect my, (laughs) respect my dialect and respect my accent. Um, Just like you would respect someone else's from, you know, someone that is from a different part of the United States. Yeah. I think part of what I'm hearing there is that there is often an assumption amongst people who aren't members of minority groups that their way of doing things or their way of living is the correct way Mm -hmm. rather than just the way that they're used to doing things. And so personally, from my own experience, I experienced that a bit or have experienced that a bit in terms of Um, what we call heteronormativity or gender normativity, which is the expectation that heterosexual or especially uh, heterosexual white men, that their way of doing things or their way of thinking is is the right way to do things. Um, And that expresses itself uh, in many ways from the assumption that everybody will 
uh, grow up and sort of form the same kind of family unit that a heteronormative family unit would be, you know, a, a husband and a wife and two children and expecting people to sort of conform to that, even if it's a husband and a husband and two children or a wife and a wife and two children, uh, to even things like, um, a common one for me is sports metaphors. So gender normative behavior for most men is that they love sports, right? And so a lot of of men communicate in sports metaphors, and those mean so little to me. <laughs> and I, you know, I try to I try to be funny about it and make a little joke about it. And I don't know anything about football. I don't know anything about baseball or basketball. And it's not that it's bad to make references to things like that, but you just have to kind of understand your audience and understand the people you're talking to, and to say. You know, oh, you maybe experience the world a little differently from the way I do, and it's not my job to make you see the what I think is the right way of doing things. It's my job to understand where you're coming from and to have conversations with you that can be meaningful for both of us. Exactly, exactly. It's it's always interesting to me. First of all, I love that we're having this conversation at all because I think five or ten years ago, we wouldn't have spoken about these things. You know, no. we would have gone back to our various communities and maybe spoken about it amongst ourselves, but it would have been in a, can you, can you believe we have to deal with these kinds of things conversation rather than a, <laughs> let's talk about it and kind of help everybody get to get to where they can be. But one thing I love about these types of conversations is we get to learn and know more about the other person. So yeah. it's just not mm. an other, it's like, oh, that's another person or that person could become my yep. friend. That's someone that I know a little bit better. And it broadens your understanding of who you are as a person and the world as in the whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah it, as you were talking about um, the, the ways, different ways, different people speak English, it was sort of interesting to me as well, because I was thinking about, okay, how I was brought up learning English and learning that if you don't speak English this way, it's wrong. But the basic question I, I think I always try to ask myself, and I think other people could ask as well is, do you understand the other person? Because first of all, if you don't, then let's ask some questions and get to an understanding. But second of all, if they're not speaking exactly the way you expect them to speak, you probably understand them anyway. You, you know, the, <laughs> the entire point of communication is just to get across the message that you're trying to convey. And you know, I think when we get too caught up in what we think of as the rules of things like that, then it that's where we get into trouble. You know, elementally, when you think about the phrase, treat others the way you want to be treated versus treat other people the way they are, when you really strip everything away, at least this is my personal opinion, it's a very, you know, patriarchal, colonialist view of the world. Because when you yeah. think about colonialism and, you know, how that, you know, like that whole that whole reality that's, you know, like really defined history as we all sit here today is it, it just really, that kind of is something I think about a lot is what are we, you know, what are we really subscribing to? Because it becomes very easy to do that. I have uh, here at Paychex and outside of Paychex, you know, in Chelsea because we're, we're together is, you know, I, I uh, black, you know, friends and colleagues that I work with that, Oftentimes I hear their stories are, well, I just kind of did my thing and I never really even thought about some of the things that are now coming to light. Um, and I think I've done that as well, right? I think we all do that as humans because we're it's our natural instinct to survive. And now what's kind of cool is, and Zach, you had mentioned that is, I think we're now starting to thrive and it's very it's a very exciting place and uh, um, just really be part of this. And uh, 
just as a personal kind of story in that, you know, when, when things started to uprise, uh, not for the first time uh, whatsoever, you know, the death of George Floyd, locally mm-hmm. Daniel Prude and many, many others, is that, you know, when I was out there in the street, you know, with other people, you know, during COVID and everybody was still doing what they could to make a difference, I really had to ask myself, am I making an impact? And I kind of walked away with that, seeing work as an opportunity to do that. So I'd work very closely with uh, Deanna Kimbrell when she, Dr. Deanna Kimbrell, when she was here. Yeah, and Scott Scott Elman when he was the Area West, uh, you know, uh, SMB director and some folks on our HROD team, we formed uh, a program called Bridge, uh, which is an early career development program for underrepresented populations across paychecks. Um, we are really with the intention there is to help folks to gain some advocacy, to help them build their networks, and uh, to really level the playing field to go for job opportunities and help them to get to their next uh, career role to wherever they aspired. So the reason for sharing that is not some, you know, that was the kind of the work that we are doing, but you know, I've really seen behind the veil and I've been part of many conversations that Thiele has also been part of where a lot of tears on the lack of civility, uh-huh. uh, tears of frustration, tears of joy that the feeling like somebody actually cares about them as human beings to help them to move their careers forward. And uh, a lot of things that I've actually found unbelievable that I could think of for myself, uh-huh. how could this ever happen? Uh-huh. Um so, so I believe I would just like to see more and more of our people. And, you know, because I support those in leadership roles, I just would like to continue to see leadership leaning in more, being part of those conversations so that we can all continue to come together. Because, you know, we're only going to make an impact if we continue to work as a group, as a team, as an organization, and as a company. And that's how we're really going to make an impact. So, so I just really wanted to to share that, you know, because I thought it was important in light of, you know, the topic of civility. So, yeah, I agree with that. That's actually a really great segue to another point I wanted to talk about today is what are some things that we can do to help create a culture of civility, not just at paychecks, but in our, our personal lives as well. So I did a little bit of research and I found some basic suggestions and I thought we could maybe talk through those. Uh, so first, and we've talked about this a little bit already, is to listen and to acknowledge what other people are saying. So, you know, giving your full attention to the people you're working with, whether it's in a one-on-one conversation, in virtual meetings, you know, keeping your camera on, whether you're virtual or in person, and it sort of ties into our value of, of be here now. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, sure, definitely. Um, I would, uh, a strong recommendation I have for everyone at Paychex is, um, I'm part of a, a, a soon-to-be employee resource group called Be Here Now, yeah. um, and I'm on the admin team for Be Here Now, um, which I, Be Here Now has been here for about a year and a half, and I don't know if either of you have been part of the monthly discussions, um, but it is definitely an op- it's definitely an opportunity uh, to really practice that those skills. I think Zach, we're you know, we, we come together, we align the topics to um, events that are happening, or if there's an awareness month for a certain event, 
uh, we'll have members from the team, we'll have members of the community to, you know, kind of open with some education, which is always enlightening. I mean, tremendously enlightening. Um, with the most recent example on microaggressions that uh, there was, a, it became, it was so popular, it turned into a two-part conversation. Um, so, and along with breakout groups to really try to create a, create a platform for um, everyone to have an opportunity to share their thoughts and their voices. And again, uh, there's been some laughter, there's been some tears. My point is, I think that the Be Here Now group is a very good way to get introduced, if that's where you are in the experience, to you know what some of the important themes and topics are that are around all of us as, as American citizens, and also to come together with others and hear some very different perspectives and share some very different perspectives. You know, and they're also fortunately on the, under the umbrella of our, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, there, I think, is a lot of paychecksers now. There is, uh, they're, they're local, you know, like meeting within the business, uh, include DEI uh, committees that exist. I know in HR services, there's some wonderful work uh, that's happening. Uh, and there's also the unconscious bias learning series with some supporting guides. So, so the good news is there's an umbrella of really, uh, great opportunities to become educated, uh, to help to, you know, Chelsea, to your earlier point, is through meeting others, develop relationships. And I mean relationships, like really getting to know people and setting up time to uh, get better acquainted with somebody or build. I built, I've been so fortunate to build some lifelong uh, friendships and partnerships that if I had not committed to this journey, I would have never met you know, these amazing people. So, so a lot, lot of opportunities out there um, to be able to, you know, kind of connect with others, you know, Zach, to your, you know, to your question. So, yeah, I guess kind of the message there is if you're going to treat people as they want to be treated, sometimes you have to ask them, how do you want to be treated? You know, we ask, what are your preferred pronouns? We ask, what, what yes. name do you like to go by? Um, asking questions, I think is a really great way to open a lot of doors. And I know sometimes people are, are kind of um, nervous to do that or reticent to do that. And I, I always encourage people to, to, to find out that information for themselves, to talk to new people, to talk to different people. You know, I think one of the cool things we, cool opportunities we have as humans is the ability to change and grow. And, you know, if you're, if you're doing something today that you hear from somebody else, oh, I, this is not how I want to be treated. That's not, you know, a personal attack. That is just me letting you know, here's how I would like for you to treat me. And I want to know mm -hmm. how you want me to treat you too. I think that's mm -hmm. something really important. That's really critically important. Um, and it hasn't been done in the past. This is all very, very new. Mm -hmm. I um, have conversations sometimes with my mom and she'll mention, um, oh, you just let Kelsey run over you. You just do whatever she says. Well, no, I'm respecting her wishes and I'm respecting her wants. Like these are her wants and her desires and I want to respect them. I had to explain to her, I'm like, if I'm not respecting her, how will she understand when she's being disrespected by someone else? So it is about um, understanding the other person. And one thing that I really love about Paychex is how we live our values. Mm -hmm. And being intentional, being curious, assuming positive intent, those are critical values in civility. Um, we are not necessarily 
forwardly thinking that, oh, these are values that support us being civil, but they are values that really support us being civil with each other, with our clients. And if you're taking them on properly, this is how you'll start acting within the world and how you'll be treating other people and you'll be asking other people to treat you as well. So um, very, very important, you know, being intentional and being curious and, you know, just being respectful and kind and thriving and gracious and wanting to learn, wanting to know other people and getting to know them, not allowing them to the burden of necessarily educating you on who they are, but just saying, hey, you know, I want to walk alongside of you in life. I want to partner with you. I just want to, you know, get to know you. Let's, you know, let's start sharing things that are fun and funny and just get to know each other. Starting from curious, right? Yeah. Start from curious. I agree. So one other thing that I, I wanted to share before we start to wrap up a little bit is as I was looking for things that people can do to encourage that culture of civility is to stand against incivility when you see it and to be an ally. I think it's so important when you see an instance of incivility to be an ally for the people involved, you know, to be an ally, certainly for the folks who might be the focus of that incivility, but also to be an ally for the people who are perpetuating that incivility to help to, you know, teach them here is the way to be civil in the workplace. I think if anybody out there is thinking, then this is my opinion, of course, you two May, may feel differently. But if anyone out there is thinking, what are, what is the one thing I can do to help to make things a little bit better or a little more civil or a little, a little better place for everyone? And that is just when you see incivility, stand up against it. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Zach, to the, I know we're kind of coming to a close, but there, um, to just keep it very real, um, you know, I, I serve in a coaching capacity as part of my role. So I support leaders uh, at all levels in certain cases in all walks of life. Um, I, there, there's anger that comes up when I hear about microaggressions and the way yes, they surface, certainly. the effect that they're having on, on people that, you know, I care about and I'm helping them with their to be, get to where they want to go to in their careers and their development goals. It takes a while to start to turn that into what can I do? Because, you know, nothing I'm a big believer in. If you want change, there has to be positivity. You know, you have to be positive Uh or you're not going to you're going because otherwise you create, you know, either conflict or even violence. You know, if you look at history and you look at society so that and it's it's interesting because there are a lot of stereotypes that are placed on, I think, of our women leaders and if they, I was recently coaching someone without providing a name that, you know, she's looked at as very outward and she's very vocal in meetings. And she made a really good point that, yeah, there may be something wrong with me or be because I'm a woman. If I'm calling out, you know, like if I'm expressing my views in a confident and strong way, I'm looked at as, you know, I won't use the word, but you know that, and I think there, and I hear things like that, I quite frequently as I'm I'm moving along in this journey to help them in the coaching capacity so that, um, but again, I think what's key is with that is remembering there are others around us that we can connect to and just to encourage ourselves to, like to your point, Zach, if you're feeling somebody's being, you know, uncivil to you or uncivil to really call it out and reach out. And if you're, you know, in the fight or flight syndrome, if you're stuck, 
in it, you find it hard to come out against that microaggression to the person, you know, go to your network, go to your, you know, yeah. it, it, you know, connect with somebody to talk about it, to help to work through that, uh, to really be in the spirit of identifying it, flagging it, calling out whatever words work for you. But I think that that's really important. So. Yeah, my, microaggressions are a, a really important topic that I think we'll, we'll devote a full episode to at some point. But I wonder if, um, just as as we're closing out here, if you, if either of you, could identify what microaggressions means for some of our audience who might not know. I've experienced it in very gentle ways. It's just the gentle ways for you where people have made comments, generally about my appearance or even the way I speak sometimes, because. Um, like I say, right now, I'm not speaking like I live in Atlanta. And some people will make note of that. Will ask me where I'm from. I'm from Atlanta. I grew up in Southeast Atlanta. And instantly, you don't sound like it. I've had um, a lot of it for African-American women or Black women. It comes with our hair. I change my hair quite frequently. Um, so how you may see me today, this is not the hairstyle that I may have tomorrow. Matter of fact, it's not going to be the hairstyle that I'm have tomorrow, but um, it, I get it a lot. I get it because I um, generally wear my hair natural. Right now, it's relaxed and it's shorter. And I will hear comments like, oh, your hair is pretty. Oh, it's pretty now that it's straightened, but it wasn't pretty in my natural state. So it's just like hearing those type things. Those are micro uh, microaggressions. Yeah, microaggressions, usually something that's more indirect or subtle or or unintentional, kind of like an un unconscious bias coming mm -hmm. out like that. That makes sense. All right. So before we close out, did did either of you have anything that we hadn't talked about yet that you're really interested in sharing with our audience? I think society as a whole, and Paychex has done this, for us to be civil, we need to begin to have definitions or values mm -hmm. around civility. Our values here at Paychex definitely do that. So um, we we have an understanding as to how we should treat others and how we should want to be treated, how we should treat our coworkers, how we should treat our clients. But that's not necessarily happening abroad in um, society um, because we are living in society based off the golden rule and not the platinum rule. Um, so depending on who you're dealing with, you know, hostility could be OK with them. You know, being hostile could be very normal for them. However, being hostile for others, um, me particularly, that's not that's not a norm for me. So I think that, you know, what we're doing here at Paychex as employees, we should take it in the world into how we actually are interacting with our friends, how we're interacting with our family. Um, it's a, for, for it to spread and for it to come out, you know, worldwide and nationwide, but definitely in our different communities, because we're not civil because those rules of civility are not there in society anymore. Yeah, I completely agree. Chelsea, I love that and connecting some of the dots between the work that we're doing as a company and connecting it to local communities and national and international, you know, communities for whatever that could look like. I think that, uh, which I think there's some work being done on that, but there could definitely be more, I think very, very powerful. Um, and I think secondly, that it is, I think just, we're already having discussions on this and, and connecting things that matter to behaviors and, uh, um, you know, one of the recent topics is 
getting executive sponsorship for certain ERGs or committees, and uh, but it's helping them to get better educated as well on what that role is. You know, what are the expectations? What are the responsibilities? So that because we're all we're all kind of I think particularly if you are the uh, I don't you know these are hard words for me, but the majority you know the majority population are white man white man white you know like. Uh, you know, everybody has, there's, there's just so much to learn. It is, it's incredible. It's like this big, uh, big pot of like knowledge of years. There's, and there's, the good news is there's so much coming out now. It's been great to see kind of this uprising and people really sharing and their books and videos and films that, um, so I think this is really an all in kind of thing. And I think everybody's there. It's just going to, I would just encourage everyone to continue to take the longer view uh, versus the short view, right? Because mm-hmm. we are making a lot of positive steps uh, to getting to be uh, the company culture. And then that translates, Chelsea, into the society that we would all like to live in, you know, together, you know, as we are and, and as who we are. So those are a couple of final thoughts, Zach. So you're saying there's there's a big pot and go out there, take a plate full and, and learn as much as you can. Exactly. Yeah. And you can tell, you can tell I haven't had lunch yet. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we'll wrap up and and then you can get some lunch. So I just wanted to say thank you again so much to Chelsea Willis and Anthony Griswold, our guests for today. And thank you to everyone for listening to Intentionally Inclusive. Uh, Next month, our episode will focus around Hispanic Heritage Month. And then later in the year, we've got uh, some exciting additional podcasts coming up about how to recognize and celebrate diversity Uh, information on veterans in the workplace and the Trans Day Remembrance, and then in December, our celebrations, our religion and culture. So glad to have you here along for the ride with us, uh, because no matter who you are, Paychex is a place where you belong. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is property of Paychex Inc. 2021. All rights reserved.